You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 264. If you're looking for something to organize, I'd say organize your life, organize your schedule, organize your days. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for joining me. I have a confession for you right off the bat today, but I also have a valid excuse. At least I feel that it's valid, so you can be the judge. So here it is. I have not done what a lot of you have while we've been social distancing, and I'm a little embarrassed about it. Once we were all sent home, I've heard from and seen the majority of you start organizing your closet, kitchen, garage, and workrooms. I get it. You're surrounded by all of your things, and cleaning them out and rearranging makes your environment nicer for sure. And it also gives you a sense of control. I'm actually really jealous of you. You see, I haven't been organizing because of my broken wrist, an accident from earlier this year. I'm getting my mobility back, but it's not quite there. So feel bad for me. (laughs) I missed out on the great organizational crusade that has now come and is almost gone. But I'll catch up with you this summer. That's a pinky promise because in truth, I do like my life organized. Anyway, this whole concept of organizing got me to thinking about how to take it to a deeper level. So I called in a professional to help us learn more about organization, complete with tips you might not have already incorporated, and how to get yourself in order in your business, over and above your physical surroundings. As we all eventually open the doors and enter back out into the world, Here's a conversation on organizing that leads to advanced skills you'll definitely want to know about for your business for the future. We get to that at the end of our conversation, so make sure to listen all the way through. Today, I am thrilled to introduce you to Elaine Quinn. Elaine is the solopreneur specialist, a consultant, coach, author, and speaker in Chicago who works with solopreneurs. These are small business owners who create and grow a business that they run themselves. Solopreneurs have unique challenges since they usually work from home. When you work where you live, you need to manage your business and personal matters separately, but simultaneously. Elaine's work focuses on helping clients become more effective, meaning doing the right things, and at the same time become more efficient, meaning doing them in a way that doesn't waste time. She's authored two popular books, There's No Place Like Working From Home, which addresses the work-from-home challenges we're all familiar with, and Escape the To-Do List Trap, which lays out an easy way to finally tame your to-do lists. Oh my gosh, Elaine, we need you so much. Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you, Sue. It's great to be with you today. I am so excited to hear you. I know you're going to just share some gems with us. But before we get started, I do want you to join in on a tradition we have here on the show, and that is to describe yourself by way of a motivational candle. So if you were to share with us what a candle would look like that resonates with you by color and quote, what would your candle look like? Well, there's something about candles, isn't there? I see mine being red, probably, and maybe a nice long taper. And I would want it to have markings by hour intervals to remind me that time is passing because I tend to drift off and daydream when even when I'm working, my mind is other places too. So maybe even I would have this candle infused with some essential oils to keep me energized. And the quote that I think of would be that actually it's a quote by Benjamin Franklin, Franklin as in Franklin Planner. So this is right on topic. And he says, lost time is never found again. And that's so true. When it's gone, there's just no getting it back. It's so true. And I think we unconsciously just let time slip by thinking we have more of it and more of it and more of it. And then when we encounter the reality that we don't, then we recognize how precious it is. Yeah. So much better to recognize it earlier. 
So I think a candle would keep me focused on that. And as I see it going down, marking the hours going by, it keeps me focused. Right. Not in a stressful way, but just in a productive or like a more conscious way, I'd guess, I'd say. Right. Gives me a visual reminder. Yeah. Okay. Well, share with us before we dive into all the goods here, share with us how you got interested in organizing and structuring as you do. Since many of your listeners are working from home, that's kind of my story. Probably a lot of them used to do something else before they started doing what they're doing now. And that's also my story. I spent my life in corporate America and unexpectedly got downsized and found myself probably too old for someone else to hire me and not very clear on what it is I would do exactly. But one of the things I realized is that working from home is totally different from a traditional work experience. And as I found my way through what worked for me and also found myself talking with other people who had the same situation occur to them, this, was, this started about 2008, 2009, I guess. When a lot of people were losing jobs or just out of work for one reason or another, I realized we all had these common problems about how to structure your day, how to get things done, how to have that balance between feeling committed to your work, whatever that was going to be, and also wanting to have some off time, downtime too. So all these things coalesced into time management. So I started really focusing on that and also just in general, all the problems that solopreneurs have, people who are working by themselves, for themselves, at home, maybe they have a virtual assistant, but usually not employees. And so they're doing everything themselves and they need to figure out how to do that. So needed. I will tell you that one of my groups that I have, it's a Makers MBA VIP group. We were trying to tackle this whole issue at uh, the end of last year. So December, early January 2020. And we came up with some great ideas, but I'm really looking at adding to our information here. So I'm thrilled to do that. And I just want to share with everybody, one of the reasons I reached out to Elaine is that I'm noticing we're all still hunkered at home, hopefully shortly coming out, like opening the doors and breathing fresh air and walking back out into our communities again shortly. But one of the things that everyone is talking about doing is now that they're sequestered at home is cleaning and organizing, emptying cabinets, dusting off shelves, cleaning out their closets, all of that. And I find it so interesting, I guess because we're around it all the time, we are deciding that it needs to be cleaned up. But I think it's also healing. Yeah, I would agree. When you're busy with a life that's a little bit more varied than the one we're all living now, it's easy to overlook things. You make do with the way things are. They may not be the most functional, but they work and well enough to keep going. But now that we're sitting around looking at things, we notice that this never has worked exactly right. Or every time I look for something, it's, I have to move this and that. And so you finally decide I'm going to fix this once and for all. So when your life when the world is chaotic, you want to take some control of your own life. And an easy way to start that is to doing the things that you physically can see. And that is very healing. It gives some sense of order. I may not be able to control everything, but I can surely control my closet. I can finally get rid of the things that I don't wear, don't love, don't fit, and move the things that I really like that make me feel good, move them to the forefront and get rid of those things that are kind of weighing me down. And whether that's your closet or your kitchen or the basement that you've put off for a long time, all those things are very, I think they're very logical things to do and very self-affirming things to do. Yes, I can make things better. And we are all looking for a little bit of control right now. Yeah. And what do we have that normally we never have? Time. Time, yeah. Some of us more than others, everyone's situation seems like it's a little bit different because if people, maybe they're furloughed, so they don't have a job right now, but they know they'll be able to go back to it, they have time. <laughs> they have a lot of time. Some of us who have always been working at home, I don't know, I've been busier now than ever because I've been trying to support everybody. I'm trying to do the podcast in a little bit of a different way. So everyone is a little bit different in terms of the amount of time they have. But what I'm really hoping we all do with this, this control and this activity of rearranging and organizing is that as we look out four to six months, the activities that we've done now will serve us well, will be more productive. We'll have focused on topics that have already been challenging and learned a better way of doing things. So that it's not just for the moment in time when we're learning or cleaning, it's to set us up for a better, easier, more efficient life in the future. Well, I think that's true. And particularly for people who are creative, there's a subliminal 
distraction when your surroundings are disorderly and not functioning well. And I find that especially creative people, they don't function very well in a, an environment that's not cleared out, that doesn't free them. If they've got things on their mind, if they're concerned about things, they feel like they should be doing something else. They're just not at their best. And so if those things are all taken care of now, when things ease up again, everybody will really be free of all those distractions and kind of nagging thoughts about what they should be doing. That'll all be done. And then they can really go back to being the creative person they are. I love that. And I'm thinking that's what we're wanting to do here with all of this. So I think, Elaine, you and I talked before the show about exactly how we'd approach the topic. Maybe you can give us some tips of the actual house organizing, physical organizing, but then we're going to dive into also business organizing, time management, which I guess is business and personal, right? As you said in the intro, they run into each other quite a bit. And then also customer information management. So those are things, gift biz listeners, we're going to be getting to, but staying with the physical organization of your environment just for a moment. I always feel like when I've rearranged something, cleaned out the garage, maybe it's my closet, whatever, I feel lighter, like I feel physically lighter. And I know that doesn't correlate, but it's just a psychological sense. So I'm just thinking, I'm wondering if you have any tips for us, if people are still in that phase where they're doing some of the physical organizing now, how do you get started? Because I think a lot of people want to try or do it, but it's overwhelming. Like they look at a closet that is heaping with clothes. How do you ever begin? Whether it's a closet, a garage, a basement, whatever. Well, anytime you're thinking about a big project, that's often what keeps people from starting is because they don't know where to start the task seems overwhelming. So it's good to try and break things down if there's some way to do that. So let's say that it's a closet because everybody has one. And most everybody has things in that closet that they don't need, don't want, don't love. Can't fit. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) And so I would say what the classic organizers will tell you, take everything out of your closet, lay it on the bed, and only put back those things that you love, that you wear, that make you feel great, that make you look great. Now, that's an all-day project at least. So if you've got an all-day, that's fine. If you've got a bed that nobody's jumping on, that's fine. But you may need to go at it in a different way. One, you can start moving things around in your closet that are the same color. And then you discover that you have 10 black t-shirts. And then you can say, well, all right, I don't need 10. Which of the ones fit the best, look the best, don't look like they've been washed forever? Or you can arrange things by the type of clothing. You can talk about things you would only wear at home, things you would wear in a casual setting, things that you would wear in a little bit kind of dress casual. You know, if you were meeting some people at a nice restaurant, but not fancy, then you can go to the next level up. If there's some things you would wear in a business orientation or some things that are just plain sort of on on the really dress up glam side. So there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You can also put all the things that you absolutely love near the front and then push all the ones that you don't love in the back and deal with them some other time. I find, in fact, I went through this fairly recently because I moved and there's nothing like a move to make you realize what you have that you don't need and what is not organized that you need to organize. So I think it's good if you're going to work in your closet or actually any place where you are willing to get rid of some things is to have a couple of large bags handy. And all the donation places that I have found don't expect you to have things on hangers. They don't expect them to be folded neatly. So I think one of those contractor's bags that are huge, they work just fine. And what I do is I fold it down around the edges and just start piling things in there. I do tend to fold things simply because I feel bad about just taking a heap of clothes to places. I like them to look like I've taken some care. But it gives you a place to put things so that you can get some space to do some of these other things, to move things around and to decide you know, what goes and what stays. So that's one way of kind of breaking it down into smaller blocks to give you a place to start. I think about my closet. And when I have organized, once we were painting and I had the great idea that I wanted to paint the insides of the closet as well as the bedroom (laughs) walls. And luckily my husband was out of town. So I had to do that dump of all the clothes out. And as I was putting them back, perfect time, right, to organize everything. And I noticed exactly what you said, like just with the white t-shirts, for example, that I had so many But before I did my organizing, I had this whole closet and I felt like I had nothing to wear. But it's because I couldn't find anything. And then I would find things and I know everybody's been this way. 
the price tag's still on. You totally forgot you had it because you bought it for some occasion you knew you'd need in the future. And then you forget you have it. The tag's still on. And you love it. And it's beautiful. But it was hidden way in the back of the closet because it got pushed aside, pushed aside, pushed aside. So I almost feel like when you do a project like that, you end up having more versus less because you can see and use everything. Well, that's true. And same thing is true in a kitchen, right? How many times have we bought something and we didn't use it right away and it got pushed in the back of some cabinet and then you rediscover it later and you say, oh, I meant to use that and now I will. Yeah. So I meant to wear that and now I will. Yeah. And unfortunately, what happens in some both of those cases is I thought I would use this, but my goodness, it's way too much trouble. It'll never fit. I don't really like it anyway. What was I thinking of? And uh, so that out it goes to somebody else who will enjoy it. You're not using it. Why keep it? Give it to somebody who will use it and needs it and wants it and will love it. Agreed. Any other organizing tips or should we move on and get into some of our other topics? Well, the classic organizing formula, and your listeners may already know this, is that you group things, they call it like with like, right? You group things that are alike, and they could be alike in the, all the different ways we've been discussing. Group them together, sort through the ones that are, how many are reasonable to have, choose the best of those, organize them in some way that you can be reminded of which ones you like and for what reasons, get rid of the rest, and then... Be prepared to tune up because sometimes what occurs to you one day when you do something, you realize that's not quite right either. I'm going to do it a little bit differently. So it's true that organizing your belongings is kind of an ongoing project. There's always something that needs to be fine-tuned. And so that's the way to look at it. Organizing is not an event. It's kind of an ongoing process. Yeah, I agree. You kind of just by nature of working in your closet, your kitchen, whatever, you start to mess things up anyway a little bit. So you got to tune up. (laughs) You know, I heard something and boy, I want to say this was on Oprah, but I'm not sure. They were talking about, I'm going back to the closet just for one more second. They were saying the big fear is, and this is so true, is you have an outfit, you love it. You've never worn it, but you think it's so cute. You're either going to lose the weight or someday have an event for it or, you know, like whatever. And you can't part with it because it's just, you just can't in your heart. You can't part with it. So they said on Oprah, they said, any of those types of things, you haven't worn them for the last two years, maybe even a year. It's something that doesn't fit, like whatever the reason, but you're not ready to give them away again. Put them in a bag, put the bag in your basement. And if you've never gone and reached for them in another year, don't even open that bag, just pass it on. That's a really good advice. Sometimes you think you can't live without it, but then you put it out of sight and you never think of it again. And that's good to know. I can live without this. In fact, I'm not even thinking about it. Yeah. And then it's out of mind. But the trick is not opening that bag later. Right. (laughs) Because then you're back to the starting point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Although I'm willing to forgive myself if there's something I absolutely must keep hoping that I'm going to turn into an entirely different person and that will fit someday in the future. I have a few of those in the back of my closet. I have a jacket that I won't even tell you what decade I probably bought it in. I have let it go now, but it sat in my closet forever. I just loved the pattern, but it was very patterny, like very florally, very patterny, bright pastel colors. I don't wear those types of things. I just love that fabric. So I loved looking at it. And so I just gave myself permission, like this is never something I'm actually going to wear, but it makes me happy when I look at it. So it gets to stay. (laughs) Yeah. You're allowed to make irrational decisions from time to time. It's okay. Thank you for saying that's rational. (laughs) Okay. So let's move on to a big challenge for all of us, time. We kind of have a lot of time now, but we may or may not be doing well with it. But as we get back into, I'm going to call it real life, we've got family, we've got work, we've got clients. Feels like you do business 24-7 now, right? People feel like they can access you anytime. How do we manage all of this? It's a challenge that everyone has because everybody has the same amount of time. And that's actually one of the things that I like to work with people about because it is such a universal problem. And I like to try and find simpler ways to handle time. So where do you begin with something like this? The classic way that people tend to approach time management is they make a to-do list, right? We all have one, or we've all had them in the past because even as a child, your parents may have had you make some kind of a to-do list of what you were going to do, what you wanted to, whatever. So we're used to lists. 
And that becomes a part of everybody's pattern is to create to-do lists. The problem with to-do lists, one of the many problems with to-do lists, is that they tend never to get done, right? And why is that? So we're writing things on our list, but not getting to them. And that's where the time management comes in. Because lists are all about what you need to do, but they don't help you figure out when you're going to do that. And the fact is that just because it's on a list doesn't really move the ball forward. It's still not done. Sooner or later, you have to figure out a way to get things done. And what I like to suggest is that people start thinking more about the when. And I have a way that has worked for many of my clients. And and let me just throw this out. Maybe some of you are already doing this. Maybe this won't work for you, but it does work for a lot of people. Take all the items on your to-do list and transfer them into time slots on your calendar. How does that strike you, Sue? In fact, I have a planner and a whole system that I use, and I'm actually pretty good at this, I have to say. I'm a big doer, but I agree with you. The funny thing, though, is to me, like those lists, a lot of times we make the lists and transfer them to the calendar, and they're already done. We just do that because then we get to check them off. (laughs) Well, I'm talking about actually planning your life this way. So all of us have kind of ongoing events, whether it's a show or a meeting or a phone call or an event that you do on a regular basis. Maybe you're part of a group that meets, maybe there's obligations that you have, bills to pay, everything that happens on ongoing basis. Those things tend to get put on a calendar because we know we're going to do them. We've got to, we have set time aside. We've reserved time in the calendar to do those things. If you've got a meeting that you know is going to last a couple of hours, you don't schedule something else. It's all those little things that we need to get to organize the closet or let's see what else. Could, well, it could be anything. Those things never get put on a calendar. And we sort of say, well, when everything else is done, I'll turn to those. But when does that ever happen? So you need to actually put those things on the calendar or they will never happen. So what I recommend is that you first And this is a bit of a commitment. If you're looking for something to organize, I'd say organize your life, organize your schedule, organize your days, because the way you spend your days is the way you spend your life. And who wants to have nagging things hanging over them all the time that they haven't done? And every time you look at that list of things to do, you just feel bad because it reminds you of all the things you haven't done. So what I say is a process like this. So go through your calendar, and you can do this with a digital calendar or a paper calendar. There are pros and cons of both. I actually use both in slightly different ways, but in terms of planning what's going on. You might be surprised, Elaine, here in our community, because people make and they use their hands. I did a little bit of a study way back, I guess sometime last year. Most people use paper calendars here. I'm not surprised. So, well, let me address that because I don't want to forget it. I found a solution to this because I've run into this before. And I personally use a digital calendar for this kind of thing that I'm talking about simply because it's so easy to move tasks around. If you didn't get to it today and it's not all that important, all right, I'll move that digitally from one day to the next. But if you're using a paper calendar, you don't want to be writing things over and over and over every day. I didn't do it yesterday. I'm going to write it again on today's calendar and not do it today. And I will do it tomorrow. Oh, I didn't do it then. I'm rewriting it again. What I have run across, because I hang out in the office products stores, and probably everyone has seen those translucent post-it flags that they have. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So they come in different colors and they're translucent and they come in different sizes. So what I like to recommend for my clients who actually prefer paper, and there are a lot of people who do, find a flag that fits your paper calendar, the hour slots in your paper calendar, and write your intended task that you're going to do on that flag and stick it in the calendar. And if you don't get to it today, you can unstick it from today and move it wherever you need to. And you can do that as often as you need to without wasting time. That's a great idea. I love that. What I thought you were going to say, though, Elaine, (laughs) was you get so tired of rewriting it, you just end up doing it so you don't have to write it. That would work, too. In fact, what happens when you, because this requires prioritizing, right? Because there are certain things that you've got to do today because something's due, somebody's expecting a delivery, it's just got to be done today. But then there's those other things that, yeah, they could be done sometime and they just keep getting moved further and further into the future. 
I know in my own case, I finally acknowledge, you know what, this has been moved so many times, I'm clearly never going to do it. I'm just going to cross this off the list. I'm never going to worry about it again. Well, and it might now not even be necessary if it was something that needed to have been done and now that time has passed. Well, yeah. What I find is that the things that really need to be done that are time dependent, those things I tend to get done this way. Because those things, when you look at your day and see, all right, here's my new day. Here's the things that I intended to do. The key of this is to estimate how long each of these tests will take to do so that you only plan in a day as much to do as you can fit physically on that page. Right. Or wouldn't you also say that you can fit on the page, but also leaving some buffer time because inevitably other things come up in your day? Like you can't fully plan hour to hour your whole day because that just can't work day after day. No, in real life, that's right. I say plan about 60, 75% of the day. And some of those things that you have planned are not that critical. Yes, you plan to do it if you can, if you get the time. But if you can't, that's fine. You just move it to another day further out. But I do find for me, it's motivational to try and clear out that day. And so I will do the things that I can do. Let's say I have four or five big things that are going to take an hour each. But there's a lot of little things that are going to take maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. Group those together and put them in one of those hour slots. And when you discover you have a free hour, it may not be at the time you originally thought you would do it, but here comes the rest of the day and you, oh, you realize you have a little time. Maybe whatever else you planned to do didn't take quite as long or meeting was got canceled. All of a sudden you have some free time. Then you can do those things. You're always free to move them. But the fact that they're there, especially if you've moved them, like you said, several times, you feel, all right, I'm just going to do this and be done with it. Yeah, that's motivational. So I try and clear out the calendar. Each day, I try to clear out everything that was on that day. I either did it or I moved it to some time that's acceptable. Now, if it's a deadline that you're willing to let pass, you don't really care about it anyway, okay, that's fine. But I don't put things on the calendar that need to be done on that day unless they need to be done on that day. I do allow time for things that take longer than I think they're going to take, but I pretty much fill up the day with doing something. Yeah. Some of those things are not chores. They're just things I want to do. Yeah, no, the one I was thinking of specifically, like the time has passed, there were a pair of pants that I needed to hem for a certain event, and I didn't get to it, so I had to just wear a different outfit. (laughs) So now I don't need to hem those pants. (laughs) That's one of those things that, yes, you realize, yeah, I didn't really intend to do that. People tend to do what is important to them. And obviously something else was more important, and you lose through that day without those pants. Yeah, but I really like them, so it's still on my list. (laughs) So I keep a little parking lot list of things because I'll be working through my day, and to your point, you know, when things are scheduled that have to get done, like all the steps to a podcast have to get done or an episode isn't going to go, right? So there's like no option, no choice. I don't like all the steps. I don't do all the steps, but I also don't like some of my steps, but they just have to get done, right? But so then other things while you're going the course of the day, other things come up and you think, oh my gosh, this is something I really want to do sometime. So I have like a little parking lot list on the side that has a whole bunch of things that are different types of things that I want to do eventually. But I capture the idea. I don't necessarily slot it into a time yet, but I've got the list of all the ideas. That's a great idea. You can either just make a list or you can write those on those little flags like I'm talking about them, stick them in the back of your planner so that when you do have time, you know where they are and you can find them. Yeah. I'm really liking those flags, Elaine. That's a great idea. <laughs> it was a, like one of those aha moments when I looked at that. And I thought, oh, you know what? Because it comes up a lot that people like a paper planner. It depends on the environment you're working in. You know, a lot of us that are out all the time like the convenience and the size of having everything in your phone. And the fact is that, you know, a phone will beep at you and remind you to go do things, which I personally need. But that doesn't work for everybody. And so I was actually searching for what kind of solution would sort of be a compromise, be written, but easily movable. Yeah, I actually I guess I really use both because I put a lot of my meetings in my digital calendar, you know, Google. Mm -hmm. Me too. But then my to-dos are in hard copy, but also I'm writing down, I am doubling, but it works for me. I'm doubling then if I have like our interview is both places. It's on my Google calendar, but it's also on my paper planner calendar. 
you know, my hard copy calendar. And that works for me. And I think it's so funny. And I'm wondering what you'll say about this and what you think the hurdle is here is I feel like everybody looks for a new planner, whether it's an app on your phone or you're at the bookstore in the time management aisle because you find this new beautiful planner. And they think that the planner is the means to them getting organized. But then a couple months in, it's still not happening. So I'm feeling like it's the system. It's not what you use. I see that all the time. And especially when you mention apps, because there are people who think that there's something magic about where you put these tasks. Bullet journals have gotten very popular Mm -hmm. and people think, oh, well, here's what I need to do. I need to use a bullet journal. I need to use a new app. I need to do, at some point you actually have to do the thing. You can like the feel of writing the list and looking at the list and looking at the planner, but if you don't do the task, it doesn't work. However, I will say that I haven't yet found anything that works for everybody. So everybody, of course, has the instinct about what's going to work for them. And it's often true that there's multiple ways of addressing it. Like you described, you do some things digitally and some things paper. I do too. I put everything in my calendar, including every little task, including travel time if I'm going to need to go someplace. I do everything in my digital calendar on my phone. Mm-hmm. However, I also have a paper calendar that I write everything that I'm going to have to go someplace else and meet with somebody because I use that one when I need to figure out what my mileage is or something or when I need to refer back to when was that meeting because I discovered that if I kept everything I put in my phone, if I kept it there, not so much now, but in the past, my phone would run out of space and I couldn't put anything in it. Mm. So I started deleting everything. Once I had accomplished it, I deleted it. And that made for you know a nice clean page of whatever had been accomplished that day. But then I couldn't really refer back to it. So that's why I started doing this paper thing. But it's a very minimal calendar. It's one of those 30-day paper calendars where all I need is just a few things. I don't have 20 things in a day that are like that. I have maybe one or two that are like that, where I'm meeting with somebody or have to be someplace for a certain reason. Those are the only things that go on that. And that's easy because I can scan that and say, now, when was that? And I can look at a month, two or three months ago and instantly spot, oh yeah, that was the day I did that. Yeah. You know, and it's coming to mind to me as you're talking It's having a process and sticking with the process because you have, when you were describing it, you have very specific things that you put in very specific places. And if it's a similar event, like you're saying, your face-to-face meetings, it always goes in the same place, regardless of what that place is. So it's the process and then actually following the process that you've created. You brought up a good point because the only way that any of these chore lists or task lists will work is if you trust them to remind you of the things that you need to do and want to do. And that brings up an issue that I've run across, and I'd be interested in your take on this. Some people keep a, quote, business calendar and a personal calendar that are separate. That scares me to death because I just know that if I didn't have everything in one calendar, I would either double book myself someplace or I would totally forget someplace I wouldn't look at it. I completely agree with you. There is not a chance my brain could handle that. (laughs) Not a chance. And yet people insist on doing that. And I think that's just asking for trouble. I think whatever you do, do it all in one calendar. Now, maybe you want to use different color ink or whatever, if that's important to you to be able to separate. Or maybe you can put those little colored dots next to it or use the different colored flags like I'm talking about. For some reason, you need to make a distinction. I personally haven't found that's important, but people with families where kids are doing things and spouses are doing things. And maybe that's important to be able to look at an instant one glance picture of who's doing what and when. And then I could see having different colored flags if you want to do that. Well, and then maybe you have a shared online calendar. Yeah, that's great. That everybody can access and see. But let's say you know you're in charge of carpooling to soccer. And so then you also put that on your calendar. So you've blocked off that time for that. And you know, something like that. But I think it goes back to having a system and having a plan and then doing it. Oh my gosh. Oh, and I was going to say something else about this. Like, I think for me, I'm glad that I'm pretty good at this, but it's because of some of the work that I do. Like I was mentioning the podcast, right? But let's say there's another project I'm doing. I've decided I'm writing a blog article or something that maybe isn't necessarily timely. 
like if I didn't do it today, I could do it tomorrow, but I really don't like to write. So maybe I'll do it the next day. <laughs> no, like you keep going like that, right? That was the way. Well, never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but if you put it in that you say, okay, I am reserving one to three next Wednesday afternoon to finish this article, period. I've put it in a time restraint and I've put it in my calendar and I'm not allowing anything else to be in that time. Well, then it takes, I don't know whether you call it willpower or determination or what, but when it comes to that time, you got to sit down and do it. Yeah. So ideally, you don't wait to the last minute in case something does come up that's unexpected. But one thing you can do is reward yourself for doing that. You can say, oh, I know I'm going to do that on time. And just to make sure I do that on time, I'm going to do X afterwards, or I will finish early so that I can have dinner with my friends or whatever you're going to do. You can build in a reward Mm -hmm. to encourage yourself to do that. But you only get the reward if you actually do it. Oh, yeah. That, well, yeah, you know, there's a point at which some self-discipline has to show <laughs> I know my <laughs> audience, Elaine. <laughs> We're all like that, right? I mean, this is so what true. I do. I do this all the time. <laughs> and I do the same thing everybody does. I put things off. But what I don't do anymore, what I used to do, is I really do not wait to the last minute to do things because it's just too stressful. I have decided that lowering stress level is a priority in my life. Yeah. And so if there's two things I don't want to do, and one of them is going to raise my stress level, that's the one I don't do. The one that's going to lower my stress level is the one I will do. And usually that means planning ahead. And when you're talking about projects like writing a blog or something that may be multi-step, maybe you need to do a little thinking first, a little research first. You want to write a first draft, and then you want to let it sit for a day or two and look at it again. So I will build in those separate steps break it into steps and put it in the calendar. Absolutely. I know from my own habits, and we all get to know ourselves pretty well by the time we're adults, you know, well, if you're paying attention. And I know that my first draft is not going to be as good as it could be. And so I no longer just sit down and write it and send it. I absolutely build in time to look at it again in a couple of days. Right. Okay. So let's move now from time management to customer information management. And I love the words, (laughs) Elaine. (laughs) It's all about management, which means you're creating control and structure. That's what management means. You're making a plan and then you're doing it. Let's continue on with this conversation right after a quick break for our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Really, for almost all these things, management implies a certain orderliness so that you can find what you're looking for in the future. I'm not necessarily big on organizing for organizing's sake, but if I need to be able to refer to information, which you would want to do on a customer, especially if they're likely to be a repeat customer, already are a repeat customer, I want to know that information and I want to know how to find it and I want to find it all and I want to find it easily. It's important to me to be able to find whatever it is I'm looking for easily and that means it's all in the same place. So... Even though my business is not quite as complicated probably as some of your community because they're dealing with physical things. No, I'm thinking of just my days and also because I have a physical product and the coaching business, the coaching and training business, etc. For me, I just find such a challenge in the fact that in this day and age, technology and all communication, I guess I would say, is tough because I'm getting information from everywhere. Like people email, then I've got Facebook messages and someone will include a link there. Maybe it's an Instagram message. People will, I don't know, like it feels like it's coming from everywhere and it's hard to capture everything. So it's very stressful. 
<laughs> well, and I do find just for that reason, I know I've either written something and I can't remember if that was in an email or if I wrote it in a blog or what happened, or I heard something and I captured it and put it somewhere, but I don't know whether it's in my computer, in a hard drive, or did I, where is it now? How can I find it? Do you have a solution for this? I found something that works for me. And like time management, not the same thing is going to work for everybody, but personally, I have discovered that Evernote works for me. And I don't know if some people have tried it and never really found how it fit in their business. Actually, that was my experience. Somebody had told me about Evernote a long time ago, and I could never really figure out how to use it. But now I use it all the time. So this is what you use, and you find that it works really well, right? I do. The reason it works well for me is because it's easy. That's a big selling point for me, if it's something easy. So the thing that I like about Evernote, one of the many things I like about Evernote is that it will accept any kind of input that you want to put in there and it will keep it in one place where you can find it again. So let's say that you wanted to keep track of all your customers and all your suppliers and everything related to each of them. Where are you going to do that? You've got texts, you've got emails, maybe there's photos involved, there's product that you used here or there, there's a supplier that you used here or there, maybe there's a backup supplier, maybe there's certain components of whatever you've done that you think about using in the future or you want to do something slightly different. How do you keep track of all that? That's why I like Evernote. You can put emails, texts, photos. If you want to take a picture of everything that you have created and sent so that you can either duplicate it or not duplicate it if it's for the same client, you can therefore keep track of the colors and exactly what is in each uh, creation that you've put together. If you see a new idea on someplace like Pinterest or in a website, you can clip that off the internet and send it directly to Evernote and it will keep it for you. And if you have created notebooks for each client and each supplier, then it automatically gives you a list of all the notebooks you've created. So you can just with one click, one click to capture it, one click to put it where you want in Evernote. And you can have the same item in several different notebooks. So that if you have created a gift for some client, but there are different components you might want to use again, you can either tag those in two different notebooks, a supplier notebook and a customer notebook. You can search by keywords that might actually be in the item because Evernote will take an image and can OCR recognize the text in that image. So even if you take a picture of something and it has writing, Evernote will find it if you put the writing that you saw, it will find it in there. If you write a handwritten note, it can read the text in that note. And you can find that by writing a keyword, just typing in one of the keywords that was in that note. So quick question on Evernote. So I tried using it three or four years ago and I had a huge struggle trying to find anything that I put in there because is it true or did I just not know how to use it? All I understood you could do is find things by tagging. Like each little thing is its own individual piece. And I don't recall there being folders before. Is that new? I don't think it's any more recent than several years ago. I've been using Evernote regularly for at least five years, I would say. But the terminology is a little different. And it was a little off-putting to me when I first started trying to figure it out. And that might be what happened with you. It's the same structure as your file tree on your computer. There's folders and there's files. Okay. But in Evernote, there are notebooks and there's notes. Okay. So if you have created a notebook, let's say for every customer, it will automatically arrange them alphabetically in a list. So if you click something, let's say there's some new thing you've seen on Pinterest and you think, oh, I might like to do something like that. And I have a particular customer who would like that. You can, with one click on the Pinterest image, you can save it to Evernote and Evernote will then present you all of those notebooks. And you could just click on the customer you have in mind and there it is and it stays there. So later on when that customer calls and says, you know, I want to do something, but I'm not sure what, you can go right to that notebook and say, oh, well, you know, I've thought about something like this that you might like. Can you put notebooks into notebooks? Yes, you can have sub-notebooks okay. so that you can have broad categories. So that would be like folders, files, and documents. Okay, so you have notebooks, sub-notebooks, and notes. And you can put on all the notes, just flow one after the other. They all stack up. 
So let's say that there's an extra thing that you can do with Evernote, like you said, you can tag it so that if you thought of, let's say, anniversaries, right? So maybe wedding anniversaries is a topic. You could also write that once. And when you are capturing a note and you're getting the list of notebooks from Evernote, it will also show you all the tags that you could apply across the top. It'll be a banner. And you can click, oh, yeah, this might be good for this. So it's automatically in one click here and there, and it'll put it in all these different notebooks. So if you have not only a notebook for a customer, but also a notebook for events, let's say wedding anniversaries, you have a notebook. Then when you go to, I wonder what I have collected for wedding anniversaries, you go to that notebook and it will show you all the things that you may have used for all those different customers that were for wedding anniversaries. So it'll cross-reference based on your notebooks or how you tag? Both. Okay. I think the notebook is the easiest. That's the biggest, broadest category. Well, that feels the most comfortable, actually. Yeah, that's what I do, too. Not only will it put it in a notebook, but it also puts it in a running list of every note you've ever created. You can, if you want to, go through the notes you've done in the last day or two and make sure that they've all got the right tags on them or you want to add something to that. Maybe at the time you didn't think about, oh, you know, I need to go to that supplier if I want that kind of look. And then you could add that supplier's name to one of the tags. And the next time you're thinking of placing an order, you can go, what were all those things I wanted to order from them? Okay, here's a question. I understand this by theory. Let's go to email, since that's, I know, a big challenge for a lot of people. And you know how they say, get to inbox zero and all that. And the way you do it, kind of like the old-fashioned way of tackling paper on your desk, touch a piece of paper once, that whole concept. But in an email, like let's say I get an email And I need to keep it because it's a trade show I'm going to, let's Mm -hmm. say. Okay, so my first, let's follow through with this, okay? So my first question is, how do I get that email into Evernote? Evernote will give you a personal email address in Evernote so that when you get your email from wherever in Gmail, you can say it'll give you an option send to Evernote. Now, some of these features are not available at the most basic level in Evernote, which is free. But the most expensive level is only $15 a month. And that's the one I have. And it lets you do that kind of thing to to send emails and to do all kinds of other little fancy things. Is it unlimited storage at that point too? I think it's pretty generous, although I couldn't swear to it, but I've never been told I'm out of space and I use it all the time. I used it a lot when I was writing my books. So I would come across an article that I kind of liked the point that they made, but I realized that there was something in there that they missed. And I would put that in Evernote just import it one click, and then I would add a little but they didn't mention such and such. And then when I went back to write on that particular topic, all the notes I collected from everywhere, whether it was from a newspaper article or something off the internet or a thought I had or a previous blog I had written, all of that was in that one notebook on that topic. And I was reminded, oh, yeah, I've totally forgotten about that. So that's a good point. But I need to mention that if you do this, then you need to do that. So that's the way I wrote my books. And so were you able to put that note right on the same document of the article, or was that then a separate note? As I recall, I was able to just add a little comment. Ooh. You can also highlight things, and you can do photos. You can do everything. It sounds like something to play around with and investigate while we have some time. (laughs) That's not a bad way to spend your time. I really think a lot of Evernote, some people use OneNote, which they say is similar. I am not as familiar with that. I know that there are articles, if you go online and say Evernote versus OneNote, Microsoft's product, you'll get a really good analysis of which benefits each of them offers, what the pros and cons are of each. But like anything, the one you become most familiar with is the one that will work best for you. Right. And you have to, it's going to feel awkward in the beginning until you get down to the system and get comfortable with it. It did. And I'm sure that there are still features of Evernote I don't use, but everything that I have discovered that I need... I can find in Evernote. Okay, so I've got to ask this question or I will forget. So (laughs) let's go back to the email. So I sent a copy of the email to Evernote. And this whole idea of keeping your emails clean, your inbox. So I delete that email. Now I decide I need to reply to it. Then what do I do? So what I do is I have Gmail. And when I finish with a note, I automatically archive everything. I never delete anything because you never know what you might need. So you're not saving then into a whole hierarchy of folders in Gmail because when you want to save it, you put it into Evernote. And if it's an email, you just archive it. So you know, it's there somewhere, but you don't need it in your inbox forever. 
The reason I don't spend time filing that in a series of email folders is that, first of all, that seems like a lot of work. And second, I can always find it in the archives file by simply typing in a keyword or two, or better yet, a phrase that's going to be pretty unique to that email. Got it. Or by the name person, it'll bring up all the emails from that person. So there's a lot of ways that I can get what I need without spending a second on worrying about how to file it in an email archives file. I just automatically, in fact, in Gmail, it's send an archive. And that's what I do. I send it and it automatically gets out of my list and into the archives and I can always find it there. Well, I say always. I mean, I can go back years. I suppose there's a limit to how long they would keep them. But every so often somebody says, no, that's different from what I remember. And I can go back and see exactly what was said. I can really see this is coming to light to me about why Evernote could be so valuable because I'm thinking like all the different types of things that I have stored that I access and use all the time, right? Like Mm -hmm. I use images, like photo shoots and all of that. Well, that's stored in a file on my computer or maybe it's over in a Dropbox or something. And then I also have emails. So those are in my Google archive. Mm -hmm. And then I have invoices. So those would be in QuickBooks or Shopify. Mm -hmm. Then what Mm -hmm. else? Like I have so many things and I'm not even saving any text messages unless I'm screen capturing and emailing it to myself for I don't know what reason because I'll lose it. Well, if you screen capture and put it in Evernote, it will read the content. It's optical character recognition. It'll recognize the content. You don't even have to remember what notebook you put it in. It'll find it. Yeah. So I'm getting really excited about this. I'm also thinking like when I'm out at conferences, I'm not one who opens my computer and is typing in the notes. I like that handwriting. I retain information. I follow along better. Then I could just take a picture of that and put it into Evernote. Yes. Now, I'm not entirely sure how well it reads handwriting. They say it does. I suppose it's got to be legible to some degree, but I don't use it in that particular way, but I know it's supposed to do that. What I have done is when I'm at a conference, I will take a photo of an entire slide of information that I'm looking at and it'll read the content. It'll read the content of that slide and find it for me. Yeah. Like if I had a, what do you call them again? A notebook. Oh yeah, notebook. So if I had a notebook that just was the title of the conference, then it could be a mixture of my notes, pictures of slides, and gosh, all the selfies you take with people at that particular event. Yes. And some of those selfies that you take at the event could be in the event folder and also in a customer folder or a supplier folder or whatever. And they'd be in both places at once. Oh, my gosh. Yes, they could. Yes. That's what I'm saying about Evernote. Yeah. I get excited about it, too. (laughs) I am good. I am. (laughs) so happy to share this with you because I know a lot of people have heard of Evernote. Maybe they've even tried it a little bit, but I know from my own experience, I didn't get it right away. But once you start using it, you start realizing how convenient and easy it is. Yeah. You know, I had someone on a while ago, Steve Dotto of Dotto Tech, and he covered Evernote entirely. And maybe I just missed it at the time, but I did not understand about the notebooks at all. We were talking about a lot of the tags, and that's why I was asking you if notebooks were a newer thing. And I tried using Evernote really, really hard after that because Steve's adorable, and (laughs) he's just a fun guy, and he knows his stuff, but it just wasn't working for me, so I gave up on it. But now I'm going to look at it again. And what you discover, there's a whole community of Evernote users. So if you get in the middle of something and aren't sure how to do it or can't seem to figure out what the purpose of this or that is, you can go online and say, how do you do such and such in Evernote? And oh, it's amazing what you can find. Yeah, Yeah, I'm so sure that that's true. So virtually, and I love this, your single source solution for customer information (laughs) management is Evernote, period. I think I haven't found anything that I needed to keep track of that I couldn't put in there. Okay, I'm really excited. I love new things and this is not new, but it is. I like simple things. I like simple things. I like them to be easy. Now, I also believe there's a Chrome tool that you can put it in your toolbar that is Evernote Uh so that if you're on a screen, you can just click it and it captures the page for you right there. Exactly. They call it the Evernote Web Clipper. Okay. And what's nice about that is that when you see something on a website, it's going to have ads interspersed in there and a sidebar and all that stuff. Evernote gives you the opportunity to either capture it exactly as is or to get what they call it, modify or clean up or whatever. But it removes all that extraneous stuff. So all you have is headline, photo and text. Yeah, it just strips out all that stuff that you don't want. Nice. 
And can you download from Evernote and print if you need to and things like that? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) And one final question on Evernote. I'm trying to remember from the past. Is there a desktop version and a cloud version or do you use them together or what's that about? I remember being confused about this in the beginning. What you want is the web version. They do have a desktop version. If you're doing something that's super highly confidential, you might want something that just resides on your own computer. But we're all living lives. There's some risk involved in living, right? So I think the desktop is the way to go. It has more functions and... You mean the web? Yeah, sorry. I mean the web version. Okay. It will automatically sync to all your other devices so that even if you entered it in your laptop uh, at home, it's there on your phone. Yeah. And I think the other advantage is you're not using up all the storage on your computer because I could imagine over time that gets pretty big. Yeah, it seems like it would. And like I say, I've never run into you know a stop sign that says you're full. No, but I mean, if you were on your desktop. Well, it, it might. Yeah, it might. I, I suppose don't know. If, I don't either. These days, even the smallest laptops have huge storage these days. Yeah, that's true. All right. This is so exciting. <laughs> Any final word on Evernote before we close up here with this? I would just say, give it a try. And if somebody has some trouble, I would actually go online and there's tutorials that'll take you through all this. The one thing that I finally got over was this terminology. It was the notebooks, subnotebooks, notes versus folders, subfolders, documents. Yeah, that's good. That's really valuable. And there's a free version, so you can just play around and see what you think of it. And then if you decide that you like it, $15 a month isn't a bad investment for sanity. Oh my gosh, no. The hours you take looking for a document, you've already paid yourself back for the one month. And not only the time you save, but the better equipped you are to do what you want to do, because you can get all the information that you want to have when you make a decision. True. At the snap of a finger. It's so easy. And on your phone, for heaven's sakes, (laughs) on your phone. So you can always have it with you, even if you don't have your computer or it'll do a tablet or whatever. However many devices you have, it will sync to all of them. Oh, my gosh. So great. So I know what I'm going to be doing when I'm going to have to pencil in. No, I'm not even penciling in. I'm penning in some time to look at this and review it. And it doesn't get to get bumped from to a different page. And it won't because I'm really excited about it now. I'm glad that I was able to tell you about Evernote. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. So we have covered tips on organizing your physical space. We've talked about time management and how to coordinate in a calendar and lots of good examples there. And then we've talked about customer information management and Evernote. So awesome stuff here, Elaine. I am so thrilled. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing with the community. I so appreciate it. Where would you have people go to learn more about your books and other things that you have to offer? Well, my website is solopreneurspecialist.com and my email is elaine at solopreneurspecialist. Wonderful. And Gift Biz listeners, you know that all this information will be attached with links on the show notes page so you can go and access that anytime. And just as a final kind of projection for the future, where do you see all of organizing and time management going in the future? I think that these are skills that everybody needs to learn because the pace of life has gotten to the point where you just can't afford to waste time and time is too valuable to waste. You want to get things done and have some time left over for yourself. So getting organized, whether it's physical or mental, mentally organized or business organized. Yeah, you want to be organized. I agree with you because it seems to me it's only getting faster. Yes, it's not slowing down. We have to be more efficient and not make it be a stressor in our life, but use it to our advantages. I'm just my thinking. So, right, absolutely. Wonderful. Okay. Well, Elaine, thank you so, so much for being here. I appreciate it. I appreciate your sharing how you're using these tools. You've given me some great tips personally, and I know our audience has picked up a lot of value from this as well. So, appreciate your time today. Sue, it was my pleasure. Thanks very much. Okay, I'm committing to try Evernote again. How about you? Do you already use it? Are you motivated to check it out? I'm actually really excited to give it another go. On another note, if you're listening to this right as the show is released, so this is the week of May 4th, 2020, you're in luck. The Expand Online Summit has just started and it's not too late to grab a seat. 
This is a program specifically for artists who want to take their business online in a bigger way. It features 20 speakers, including yours truly. Free seats are available now, but don't wait if you're interested. After a few days, all the information gets locked down and you'll have to pay for the information. But for now, as my gift to you, you can gain access at no charge. Just go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash expand online for more details and access. That's a wrap, GiftBiz listeners. Be safe, stay well, and I'll catch you next week. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making my favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.